everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 63, DIY Networking, for September 8th, 2011. This week we're going to go into uh, a little more detail about something we've talked about on the show a few times before, and that's doing your own networking stuff. We've uh, referred to it in the past as a way to save some money, but we've never actually talked about what uh, the steps are to do it or how to go about it. So today we're going to uh, delve into that subject just a little bit. Uh, before we do, Sean, how was your Labor Day? Uh, it, you know what? It was just what I needed. A very relaxing weekend, quite honestly. I don't know about you. Uh, any any bits of levity to well, you know? <laughs> just, uh, life with three small girls is never quiet or relaxing. So I'm actually looking forward to going back to work tomorrow, so I can have some peace and quiet. <laughs> right. See there, I yeah. can close the door and people will leave me alone. But uh, it doesn't work. Closing doors here just means you bang on them even harder. <laughs> well, I, you know, and I've I've only got uh, one little girl uh, at home with me, and I can only imagine because just even having one, I've realized that uh, something I I always knew, but uh, uh, you know, or, or I guess I should say, I've always heard, you know, that uh, girls say something like three times as many words in a day as boys and things like that. And, uh, I certainly realize that because uh, it seems like my daughter always has to have her mouth running. So I, <laughs> I, I, can, I can only imagine what that's like times three. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if there's actually a topic at hand. It oh, no. Matter. Yeah. No, I mean, they make up stuff. If, if they don't have something to say, they just will spout out, you know, just random stuff right. just to be moving their mouths. I guess. So you <laughs> so. told me earlier today you went to a movie. What movie did you go see? Ah, yeah. Uh, really great one. Uh, the Help. Okay, I've heard good things about it. Yeah, I uh, I had heard I, I, somewhere on the radio. I had I had heard um, some radio show talking about the help, and they were actually talking about the book and uh, what a you know great book it was and everything. And uh, and then they mentioned that there was a movie out about it, and so I thought, uh, well, I'm going to go see a movie, and I wanted to go see that, so I went and saw it. And uh, yes, definitely a great movie, worth going to see. Um, uh, I guess if you haven't heard about it, it's about uh, the black maids in the South during the 1960s, and this uh, this girl that actually grew up in that culture where white children are raised by these black maids, and uh, uh, so she grew up in that culture, and now she's gone on to become uh, an aspiring writer for newspapers, and uh, that's her her big story. That's how she's going to get her break. So she, she puts together this project and actually gets these maids to open up and talk to her and, uh, you know, and, and laughter ensues. No, <laughs> it's, it's a very heartfelt, uh, movie. And if, uh, I encourage everybody to go check it out. Um, it's long though. One great bit of news in our part of the world is that the heat finally broke. Yes. We have had, um, more, what was 87 or so days of 100 plus degree heat, uh, this basically every day since May. Um, yes. and today the high where I live was only 85, which actually, I'm not kidding, actually felt a little cool. Um, yeah. When my kids got up this morning and went out to play, it was about 70 degrees or a little under, and they, they actually came in and said, Mama, can we have our coats? Uh, so yeah, they wanted to put jackets on. Uh, it's amazing <laughs> what your just uh, what your body can adjust to. 
Yeah, I mean, we had uh, there was two or three weeks there where we were like we were 110 to 117, right, like with solid. a low temperature of 88, 89 degrees. Right. You know, the overnight so, low would be 90, and now um, the the daytime high was 85. So that's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, it really did. Uh, I was sitting outside last night and just enjoying the breeze. Right. It it felt like. Uh, wintertime when that cold front blows in from the north, you know, <laughs> it was so weird. And you look at the temperature and it's like 80, but you're, yeah, you, you're tempted to like go put on something <laughs> go warmer. Go get some hot know? cocoa. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so maybe, yeah, it's nice. Our uh, two-week uh, autumn, I think, is near. Yeah, maybe all the complaints <laughs> about uh, the heat will will have ended and then we'll start complaining about how cold it is before long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So all those people up in the Northeast can laugh at us yeah. when we're. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how the Pod Pod stands up to cold. I, I you know, I, I built it for heat, so uh, maybe it'll be okay with cold too. Yeah, I think you'll be all right. That's right. I like being cold. Um, one quick little tech tip before we get into the subject matter. Um, uh, as we've talked about before, we we rolled out Windows Seven uh, to our computers this year, and we had some problem. We have some uh, Dell All-in-One units that don't have a VGA uh, output, so we had to buy some USB to VGA converters so that we could hook uh, LCD projectors up to them. And those stopped working with Windows 7. And so I even went so far as to buy some more expensive, uh, uh, high-definition, high 1080p uh, quality uh, adapters just to see if that made a difference, and it didn't. We were actually looking at maybe even replacing their computers because, um, you know, we've got we have built our curriculum in such a way that that projector in the classroom is really a must-have. Um, and it turns out that all we had to do, the simple fix, was turn on arrow effects in Windows Seven, which is totally counterintuitive because typically when you have problems, you want to reduce the amount of things going on. You want to disable yeah. a- added features. I, I, that's that's one thing that's funny is I've seen a lot of problems uh, with Windows 7 and uh, and video, and they always say, turn arrow off. Right. You know, start there, turn arrow off. So this is the first thing, and I can't say that we saw anywhere where it said turn arrow on. I think you just stumbled on that. It was just an accident, that. yeah. Right. So if you're having issues with uh, peripherals, projectors, things like that, hooking up, try checking that. If you've got it turned off, turn it on. Apparently that enables... Uh, the certain things in the driver that make it happen. And this was, I mean, this was really uh, weird stuff. Like, um, you would open a web page and everything would be fine. And then you'd click around in two or three pages. And then, like, the, the, the projector would still be showing, like, the third page you were on an hour later. Even after yeah, you had closed the browser, even turned the computer off, it would still be showing that image. It was so, so odd. But uh, uh, enabling Arrow made all those problems go away. Now they can do full-screen video on the projector, and everything's great. Yeah. So an odd little thing that I uh, thought we'd report, and uh, maybe you guys can check it out. All right. So uh, so we're going to talk about uh, networking today, right? Something that uh, I'll have to jump out there first and say, Mark, you, you taught me everything I know. I had no... I had no knowledge of networking, or and we're talking about the physical part of that, running the wires and setting everything up. So, uh, so let's get started on that. Yeah, uh, this show was actually Sean's idea, uh, <laughs> just to sort of uh, let you know. You know, beginning of school, things are busy, but it was Friday afternoon, and we were talking about the fact that we had no show for Monday. We, we didn't have anything, <laughs> um, and I don't remember. 
you know, we, as we were kicking around ideas, Sean mentioned networking, and I thought, you know, there's there's a lot there. There's a lot of meat there that we can cover. So uh, we're going to go there. And, and Sean, um, what, uh, three years ago, you like day one, when I, the very first day on the job, the first thing I had you do was making network cables. Right. Uh, yeah, I came in and uh, that first day I was, uh, I remember being really nervous and uh, because I had pretty much zero experience. I mean, you hired me on my overall computer knowledge, but as far as working in that type of environment, I had no clue what I was doing. And all of a sudden it was, well, you know, we're in the middle of setting up this lab and we need to run all these cables and, uh, you know, orange, white, orange, green, white, blue, blue, white, green, <laughs> and brown, white, brown, you know. See so one, I learned. Do one, teach one. Right. I, I, I did that uh, on day one. I was indoctrinated into how to how to making a, a, a cat five or cat six cable, a, a network cable and. Um, and we had to do a lot of them. So I, yeah. I got pretty good at it real quick. Well, so but, you, you know, that's that's something that that so many people out there, what do they do when they need that done? They hire a contractor. Right. Which just seems ridiculous now to think about if you just roll up your sleeves and do it once. After that, you'll never hire a contractor again unless I, you know, I understand large schools, very large school districts or whatever that maybe have a huge project that they need to do. But if you just need to set up a you know, hey, this one little lab or something like that, uh, there's no need to bring in a contractor and spend, you know, probably five, ten times as much uh, to have it done. Yeah, so, um, for for example, uh, a couple of years ago when we built our new high school campus with the one-to-one desktop initiative and have uh, literally miles and miles of copper in there, that's not something we would do ourselves. That's just too big a job. Uh, right, but it's not uncommon for us to wire a lab uh, or an ad hoc lab or, or or a pod of computers somewhere. So that's the sort of stuff we're talking about. Uh, what what's it going to take? Where can you get it? Um, and what are some of the the mechanisms about it? And, and you're going to find that it's it's a lot easier to do than you think. Uh, but one of the first things I wanted to mention, Sean mentioned Cat Five or Cat Six. Um, just to give a quick explanation of what that is. Um, Back in the days of the phone network, uh, communication cables were, were rated uh, on a category, uh, category two, ca- category three, whatever. Most phone line is category three, and that's rated on the amount of bandwidth it can process at a time. So category five was pretty much the standard for networking, and then later came 5E, which gave us gigabit, and now 6 or even 6E you'll see out there, the... The methodologies are the same for all of those. The difference is in the the cable themselves, the how how robust it is, how qual- high quality the cable is, and the connectors that you put on it. So, just to, to get that out of the way, we're going to use the term Cat Five, but that really means Category Five and up. Right. Yeah, and I think that's the that's where everybody's starting. And I don't know now. I'm trying to think uh, on our many trips to Home Depot. What was prevalent there? Is it still Cat Five or Five uh, E and Six are, are starting to show up there, and um, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I was going to mention is is that's where we go when we have to to do something. Home Depot is where we go. It, it's not something esoteric anymore. Um, any uh, I don't know about a small local like our local hardware store doesn't have it, but any of the large big chains, uh, Home Depot or Lowe's or, or maybe even Ace, I don't know, but uh, those guys are going to have that over in their their electronics department because it is such a common thing. Almost every building that's built now is is wired in some way. Uh, those things. Show well, and up. not 
not only that, but even uh, new residential, you know, a lot of new homes that go up are wire are wired for network. Yeah. You know, people are, people are putting networks in their, in their homes. So, uh, all that equipment, everything you need is there. You, you, I mean, everything. Yeah. You, my, my, uh, uh, house is gigabit cat five E. I did it myself. Sure. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's becoming very common. And, and in fact, we're using, uh, category five wire for other things now. Um, uh, Audio installers will use it, and they'll split off the pairs. But, but uh, we'll get into a little bit about that. Um, Sean, just uh, go through uh, the list of stuff that you would need to make a lab. All right. Yeah, uh, it's it's not a real long list. Uh, of course, you need your cable. So like we talked about, the, the Cat 5e or Cat 6 is usually what you're going to find. Which you can buy and- in a box of 1,000 feet for about 50 bucks. Right, extremely cheap, and that's uh, and, and we'll talk about that because the cheapness of it uh, really is a good thing. Uh, you you don't ever have to worry about, um, I guess, cutting your your cable to exact length because um, it's very cheap stuff. It's a nickel uh, a foot, you know. Right, that's, that's the general cost of it. Uh, the uh, RJ45 clips, which are the terminations, the ends, the parts that you would clip into the computer or the wall. Right. Um, you need uh, your wall jacks. So, however you want to uh, to mount that into your walls, uh, you need crimpers. So they they sell uh, special crimpers just for that, and uh, uh, it one helps you to strip the cable. Uh, it's got that outer coat that you want to strip off when you uh, need to access your pairs and start to wire. And, uh, and then it also has the crimping tool at the end so that you can, once you've got your wires in there to the ends, you can crimp it down and, uh, it looks all nice and professional. Um, uh, punch down tool and the punch down tool is used for the, uh, the back of the wall jack. So, uh, when you're doing your RJ45 clips, you're going to expose those wires, put them in a certain order, and then uh, put those together. But uh, on the back of the wall clips, it's a little bit different. You're going to spread those out, and they go into these special. Uh, gosh, I don't know what you call them. Uh, sort of clamps, but that you've got a, a special tool that punches the wire down into those clamps so that they uh, make a good connection. Now, uh, let me say about that. When you buy a box of uh, wall jacks, it's going to come with a little plastic punch-down thing in it because really all you got to do is put the wire between the teeth and make a right. connection. Don't use the plastic thing. Spend the money on an actual punch-down tool. It will make things a, a million percent easier. Um, yeah, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eliminate a lot of double work because you're going to do it right the first time. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, one thing that you really should have is a tester uh, in your kit as well. And there's a tester where you can put it on either side of your, uh, uh, cat five wire or whatever to make sure everything works. But, uh, you'll learn real quick that if you, if you try to shortcut this stuff, you're going to end up with uh, bad wiring and you're going to end up going back and doing it again. So yeah, great reason to have the punch down tool. Uh, it gives you this nice, uh, friendly click you know that when the wire has really driven home so uh yeah definitely get the get the good punch down tool i mean it's not that expensive well let's talk about expense real quick just to run down the list there uh 50 a uh, thousand feet of cat 5 cable about 50 bucks uh rj 45 clips roughly a quarter each 
uh, excuse me, 50 cents each. So you buy a box of 50, it's going to cost you about $25. Uh, wall jacks typically run a buck to a buck and a half each. So a box of 50 of those might cost you $50. Um, the crimpers, the tool itself, depending on what you get, can run any anywhere from $35 to $100, but the cheap one is just fine. Punch-down tool is going to be about $25. Um, and and so, you know, that's your basic list there. Uh, I didn't wasn't doing all the math in my head there, but uh, you can do a lab for, you know, six $700 maybe in materials if you're starting with nothing. If you don't have anything, you need the tester, which is going to be about $50. If you've got nothing and you want to build a lab, you're going to spend maybe on the outside $1,000. But if you call a contractor in, the going rate on that is $125 per drop. Right. So if you've got 25 drops... You're looking at spending, uh, you know, three thousand dollars. You're looking at spending three times as much. Um, but then, if you do it this way, you've already made the uh, recoup the investment because you've got all the stuff and you can do it next time. Yeah, and and typically, like like you said, with these tools, I mean, we'll make that purchase, but then that purchase really gets us through several labs, several different projects. You know, we you you buy a, a box of the RJ45 clips and. You know those those last you a long time. Um, like you said, if you buy fifty of them, uh, you may not have to buy another box of those things for a year or two. Um, so let just uh, moving on down the list. Uh, a good pair of electrician's scissors. Uh, these are designed. They're heavy duty and they're designed to cut through wire. And they're um, cheap. Again, ten dollars or yeah. so. But don't go cheap and go go to the school supply section and get one of those pair of uh, scissors it's uh it's they do need to be electrician scissors and my years of experience has told me that there is nothing better than a good set of electrician scissors um and you need to replace those once in a while you can't really sharpen them effectively uh so if you find yourself having to saw through your cable just go buy another set of scissors it'll make things a lot faster and easier on you right um and then uh, a fish tape which I had I had heard of fish, uh, fish tape in the past, but I really didn't know exactly what it is. And all it is, uh, a fish tape is this uh, coil of uh, really long. Uh, I don't know. I guess you would call it wire, but it's it's uh, it's a very heavy gauge steel wire that basically lets you push down into uh, into the spaces between a wall so uh you know uh, most schools i think you'd be operating with a drop ceiling and you're going to access uh you're going to access uh, above that drop ceiling and you're going to run a lot of wiring above that drop ceiling and then you're going to cut a hole in the drywall and you're going to need to drop that line down to where you've got your port cut out and the way that you get down that drywall, and especially if there's insul- insulation in there, is you use a fish tape. It's very heavy gauge steel, and you just, uh, just like its, it's name, you know, you fish it down through the wall until you get it down to that uh, that cutout where you want to have the port. So it helps you run those lines, and I think that's the biggest one. Like uh, when I first thought about trying to run cabling, that was the biggest hurdle in my mind. I was like, well, how do you get all that wiring down through the walls? Um, and a fish tape, the fish tape is the, is the way. So yeah, that, that's a funny story actually. Cause I, I taught Sean how to make patch cables. Uh, and then the time came that we needed some things installed. So I said, all right, go over to this lab and we're going to run some wires over there. Uh, take our high school graduate, uh, monkey over there with you, uh, get started <laughs> and I'll meet you when I'm done with what I'm doing here. And I got there and he was struggling with how am I going to get these wires 
up through that insulation. Uh, how am I going to do that? How am I going to find it? And I said, Sean, just use a fish tape. And he's like, what? A fish tape. Right. What is a fish tape? So I went over to this with big black canvas bag that we have everything, pulled out the fish tape, and he said, oh, I wondered what that was. And so then I just said, it was, <laughs> it was one of those funny moments. He's nearly 40 years old, and he'd never seen one of those things before. But once you get right. it, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's the way to do it, clearly. <laughs> that's what that thing's for, yeah. And it comes in this really neat uh, little thing. It's kind of uh, like those uh, rooters. It reminds me of one of those rooter things that you use in uh, plumbing, you know? Yeah, it's a where lot like a plumber snake. Right. You, it coils up into its own little case and um, uh, has a special little kind of curved hooked end that helps push through things like insulation and, and whatnot. Um, which brings me to the next, uh, the next object, which doesn't seem like it's all that important, uh, which is string or twine. But uh, you have to, have to, have to have a, a decent amount of string or twine, uh, you know, and pretty heavy stuff that's going to be able to basically you'll tie the twine to the end of that fish tape. And the first thing you're going to do is run a, a piece of string or twine down with that fish tape. Uh, and then that you, you use that to go back and, you know, you tie that to your cat five cables or whatever and pull things back through. And uh, and Mark, what is the last thing you should do when you're when you're doing that? Always leave a string in the wall. Always right. leave a string in the wall. Um, <laughs> it's you know when you when you tie off there, you 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 tie another string back up, and then you pull it up, and you leave a string in the wall. And in, in any contract I've ever done over the years, uh, that has been in the blueprints in the design is that when you put conduit up, you will leave a string in it. Because without that, I mean, if, if there's a string, you don't need a fish tape and you don't need right. to do anything else. You just pull it. Um, and so uh, save yourself the effort uh, when you come back later and leave yourself a string. And we're, we've got some more tips later on that we're going to talk about. But that's one of the, the first ones that I learned the hard way because you do you pull something and then it, you find out it doesn't work or you can't crimp the cable or whatever. Now you got to do the whole thing all over again. Only it's harder because now there's cables in the hole. Uh, with really all you could have uh, had to do was leave a string. And again, yeah, all this absolutely. stuff you can get at the big box hardware store, um, they, they're going to have construction string all, probably on the same aisle. But what I like to do is uh, get like baling string that farmers use for baling uh, hay. It's, uh, it's lighter and it's stronger and it's cheaper. And you can get a spool of like a thousand feet of that for $10 or something. It's really cheap and really strong. It's stronger than regular uh, like construction string you would find. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, some basics, and you know, a roll of electrical tape or two. Uh, you're going to find that sometimes you just got to tape stuff. <laughs> when you're when you're tying the <laughs> cables to the string, it's easier if you can wrap some layers of tape around it. It's just amazing how handy that is. And I say electrical tape over, say, duct tape, for example, because it comes off cleaner when you need it to come off and doesn't leave a residue. Um, another thing you're going to need, you're going to have to cut a hole in the wall. So you can get a little drywall saw, or the tool that I made Sean buy when he started working with me was... Yes, a Leatherman. So what's a and, Leatherman, Sean, for people who don't well, know? You know, it's the it's the multi-purpose tool. So it, it uh, when you open it up, uh, it, it, it kind of looks like a, um, uh, a set of needle-nose pliers, but it, it's it's basically like a Swiss Army knife. It's got all these other tools that come out. So if you don't know what a Leatherman is, which... I can only imagine that's if you live in a different country, <laughs> because I think every good red-blooded American knows what a Leatherman is. But certainly here uh, in the South, certainly. Uh, but honestly, I, 
and it really we're talking about it as it pertains to networking but if you are working in uh, with computers at all and you work with hard you know computer hardware at all uh, you should have a leatherman on your belt at all times um, I know there's been a few days where either I forgot to put it on or maybe I put the case on because that that's my morning ritual is I put the my, my Leatherman case onto my belt as I'm getting dressed. And, uh, there's been a few times where for some reason it just wasn't in there. So I had the case, but it was empty and I go to work and I feel like I'm naked. Cause I realized it early on, I use it almost every day and, uh, it, it's just indispensable. So if you don't have a Leatherman, it's, you know, spend some money. I don't know. What are they? 40, 60 bucks for uh, halfway like decent one? Uh, are they that? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Mine was a gift. So, <laughs> and for the, you know, this is odd for the Taiwads to be telling you to buy something expensive, but don't go get the cheap version that they're going to have at Walmart. Don't get a Gerber tool, uh, that is a, a knockoff. Get a Leatherman multi tool. Uh, the one that yes. we both have and, and recommend is the Wave, the Leatherman Wave. It's the most yes. versatile tool for what we do. Um, and you're going to spend between 70 and $90, depending on what you get. But I've had mine for almost 14 years now, and it doesn't have a scratch on it. Um, it's a lifetime investment. It's a great tool. Spend the money. You'll thank me for it. Well, and, uh, it, you know, I said that that, that is really kind of all-encompassing. It's something that you use throughout your day, but as it pertains to networking, uh, what the Wave has on it is it has a drywall saw yep. on it. So uh, you can, and we do, we have a separate drywall, drywall saw that uh, is specifically made for that purpose, for cutting out holes in drywall, but it, it's great just having it on the Leatherman. You don't, you know, you just reach for the Leatherman and, and cut your hole and you're ready to go. Um, I do want to say something about cutting holes in, in drywall. Um, it, be confident. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. You know, the first time you're going to cut a hole in drywall, you feel like you're going to punch out this, you know, four foot hole in the wall that you won't be able to fix. Uh, but it's, it's very simple. You just, you know, punch through it. And, uh, the best thing you can do is plan your cut. You know, they always talk about that in, in carpentry, right? Uh, measure twice and cut once. Uh, so, uh, when you get those wall plates, you're going to have, you sort of have a template there that you can actually draw the shape of your cutout. Um, and, uh, so just do that, you know, uh, Sharpie, I think Sharpies is another one that maybe you want right. to put on the list there. Uh, that really comes in handy. And, uh, another one, <laughs> I'm just rambling off here, uh, different things for your network bag is, um, uh, oh, what do I want to say? Like tags, uh, some sort of labels of some sort labels, something. Yeah. With, with a Sharpie, because, uh, so often you, you may be running, you know, five wires or you might be running 20 wires. And it becomes very helpful if you have them labeled on both ends. So, uh, uh, so there's just a few more things to add to the bag. Right. Yeah. And we, we talk about the bag because that's, that's what it is at our school. It's a network bag. It's a, a Novell bag that I got at a conference years ago and I just started putting stuff in it. Um, and it over, it got big and we had to put uh, a bigger bag, but, uh, it's, you know, when we need to go somewhere, we just say, all right, let's grab the network bag and we go because we know that's going to have everything we need in it. Um, and it's these tools you're, uh, and, and these are things that if you're going to do that sort of stuff, if you're expanding your network, you know, if you're in a, uh, 107 year old, uh, cinder block building and there's just no capacity to run more wires, then you probably don't need a drywall saw and wall sockets and plates like that because you're probably just going to end up running cables along the floor or something like that. Uh, but uh, 
you know, if you if you see that you're going to be doing this, and once you learn how, you're going to see opportunities to do it left and right. You might as well make it as pretty as possible while you're doing it. It's, it goes back to what we've talked about before with the customer service. Uh, impress them. Uh, so just, you know, well, and not a, a not or a, a box or something to put everything in. Well, and I was going to say, you know, to that end, um, we find that many times our work is better than the original contractor's work. Yes. Yes, I would agree yeah, with that. Yeah. So you know, and maybe it's because it's our stuff, right? You always take care of your stuff more. Uh, we know that it, you know, sometime in the future we may have to service this stuff or whatever. Or if we don't do it right, then it's going to make more work for us down the road. So we really we take care and do our work right. And it's funny how often we've gone back and uh, and either corrected something that a contractor did or. Um, or we find ourselves complaining about, you know, just, oh, the contractor did it this way. So we're, tr- we're trying to go in and wire something and the contractor did something goofy and uh, just makes things harder on us. So uh, you're going to find in the end that when you're doing this stuff for yourself, uh, you're going to end up being a lot happier with the work. Right. All right. So let's talk about some some tips we've discovered over the years. Uh, leave a pull string we already mentioned. Another one is... is uh, Throw things <laughs> whenever possible. <laughs> so if you're running from one side of the room to another, get yourself up on a ladder on the other side, and ideally another person on the ladder the other uh, on the other side of the room. Tie the string to something heavy, like a roll of electrical tape I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I was just going to gonna say, yeah, the electrical tape comes in handy for that too. <laughs> um, and then once you, that's how you run your string. All right, or if you're working by yourself, pop up tiles four or five feet apart and toss them through the holes then move over and toss it through the next hole and then do your whole run of string that way and then pull your cable once so you can tie five or six or twelve cables together and run them down the line but what if you only have one box of cable and you want to run six six cables now that's easy measure beforehand uh, you yes. can do it. Uh, we have a little measuring wheel. Again, pick them up at a hardware store. Uh, your coaches probably already have one if you work at a school uh, because they measure uh, uh, football fields and baseball diamonds. So they probably already have one on hand. Um, so get a, a measuring wheel. Measure out your run. But don't just measure the run. Measure up and down the wall, right? Because you're going to run from a, a, four plate, a wall plate on the, at the floor up then all the way down, and then back down to something again, probably. So figure in an extra 20 feet for that, and then just run off like 20 feet of extra cable. I've measured it. I know exactly how much I need. Then pull like 20 feet, and then pull like 10 more. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like I said, cable is cheap, but redoing a run because you cut it too short is a bad thing. As a, a, an old handyman that used to work with us used to say, I cut it twice and it's still too short. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times you cut it, it's going to be too short every time. So Well, and, 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 what, and what you're talking about is what's called a service loop. And the reason it's called a service loop is that there may be some point in the future that you need to go and maybe you need to move that. Okay, so you've got it in a wall socket at a certain location of the wall. And maybe at some point down the road, you need to move it over five or six feet. Well, you've already got that extra cable. It's stashed away up in the ceiling or whatever, but you've got the extra cable to pull it that little bit of extra distance you need uh, without rerunning all that wire. So uh, either that or maybe you need to re-terminate the, 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 uh, the ports or something like that. But if you ever need to go back and work on that, 
the extra wire you need is just already up there. It's called a service loop and always give yourself a service loop. And I want to say, uh, I, that was invaluable advice that I learned from Mark. Uh, when I first started doing this, I was kind of like, I think what everybody else would naturally be, right? We're, we're taught not to waste. And so you, you want to measure it out perfectly. Okay. It's, you know, 10 feet up the wall and then it's over 20 feet and then down another 20 feet or another 10 feet. So you want to make your cable exactly 40 feet. Uh, that's the way most people think. Uh, you definitely don't want to do that. The, the cat five, the cat six is so cheap. Um, and it's going to save you so much time. That's to me, I had to take a corporate look at it. So I said, and this is where it finally really drove home with me. I said, okay, I am, if you want to call it wasting, whatever you want to call it, it's a service loop and we're putting an extra $3 worth of cable into those service loops. If I have to redo any of those runs, uh, you know, at the rate that I get paid, uh, I don't know. What is that? You know, and any extra five minutes that I spend doing something is going to offset that cost. Well, so you fact, are, if you have to redo it, say it's a hundred foot run, you've now wasted a hundred feet of cable. So right. it's much better to waste six feet of cable. Right. So those, those service loops, while it seems like you might be wasting a lot of wire, you're really not, you're actually saving money in the long run. So give yourself those service loops. Right. And, um, uh, uh, just a little trick that we've come up with over the years is let's say you've got one box of cable, but you need to make, you know, 20, uh, runs of the same length. So here's what I do. We have our, our step ladder. I put the box of cable next to the step ladder. I tie the cable to the step ladder and then I start pulling the cable. All right. So the, the end that's tied to the step ladder doesn't move. The other end feeds out of the box. So I pull that as long as I need it. I now have two cables of the right length. So that's how you can get two right. runs at once. So then I go back and I do that as many times as I need to, and I bundle them all together um, to one bundle of 12 cables of the right length, and then I pull that with one string up and then go down. Now, the big guys who who are contractors, if you've ever watched them do it, they'll have uh, 100 boxes of cable on the truck, and they'll just run all the spools up on something and run them all off at one time because they know they're going to use that cable somewhere else. But if you're on a small scale like we are, that's the way you can, can get one box of cable and get multiple strings out of it and still be as efficient as possible. Absolutely. Uh, and so the next thing that I have on the list is neatness counts. Um, like I said, you've got to bundle those things up. Another thing that we didn't mention in our parts list there is you need some wire ties, some of those little zip ties uh, yes. that you can buy, again, in a bag of uh, an assorted bag of 500 of them is, is $20 or whatever. Uh bundle put one of those every 18 inches in your bundle of wire so that when you start pulling it it's one cohesive unit and when you're pulling it over plumbing and across insulation and everything it all sticks together again it it might seem like a wasted expense because it's up in the ceiling and you never see it again but it makes your work that much more efficient and easy and then on the outside the stuff that people do see of course you want that to be as uh, as neat as possible because they, you want to make it look professional. When you do something yourself, people are going to be looking for mistakes. When you hire a contractor, they will overlook mistakes. That's almost universal. When a contractor screws up, people overlook it. When you screw up, they say, well, we should have hired a contractor. Right. Yeah, you don't want them to, to say that. And you can get little uh, raceway duct. It's called different things at different places, but basically it's a hollow duct that tapes onto the wall 
and then you secure it with some screws and you can run their your cable down that. And so instead of a bunch of cables running down the wall, uh, if you can't run inside the wall uh, or along the baseboard, you have this nice, neat molded plastic. And again, it's inexpensive and makes things uh, a lot uh, neater in the long run. Absolutely. Next thing I wanted to go through is just some of the technical stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, why that cable is special. There's eight different uh, wires in there uh, to, to four different pairs, and uh, they're all twisted at different rates to throw off uh, magnetic interference, uh, polarities, so that, uh, that, that you don't get crosstalk between each other. So it's important that you do things in the right order. And the right order, Sean, is? Orange, white, orange, green, white, blue, blue, white, green, and brown, white, brown. Yeah, and you say that in your sleep, right? Because it's Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because, uh, again, the, the first time I did that, uh, I kept finding myself, one, I, I'm going to tell you, all you have to do, if you have any Cat5 anywhere around you, you've got something to refer back to. Right. So you can go back and look at it. If you ever forget, you can look at one that's already working and say, oh, okay, you, you've got something to look back at, but, uh, that's not hard to remember the, the orange, all of those twisted pairs. So orange, white, orange and green, white, green and blue, white, blue and brown, white, brown. Those are the twisted pairs. Um, so the, the first and last, uh, are easy. I mean, orange, white, orange and brown, white, brown stay together. Um, so then for me, I don't know why I think green means go. And for some reason that equates <laughs> to the first for me. So I go orange, white, orange, and then green, white, gr green, white, blue, and then blue, white, green. So those two middle pairs, uh, swap, you know, green and blue swap over. Um, and I don't know so, why that is. That's just the standard. That's the, uh, EITIA 568A, uh, B standard that he just said there. The, option, the other option is the 568A standard in which the green and the blue switch places. Um, I, don't, I don't know the history of all this. I just know it is what it is. Uh, pretty much everybody in the communications industry uses 568B, which is the order that Sean just rattled off. If you don't know, if you don't remember that or don't want to rewind this podcast, just, just go Google it. It's all over the place. You can find nice picture diagrams or whatever. Once you've done, a, you know, 15, 20,000 of them, it'll come second nature to you. Uh, but the yeah, we, uh, we, it's funny because, you know, when, when it comes time to make cables, we have races and, uh, I, I can never beat Mark, but I can beat the, the, you know, the little high school helpers. <laughs> so, Except when it comes yeah. to crimping, and I think it's arthritis or something in my hands. I can't, I can't crimp like I used to, and so sometimes they beat me on that. Uh, oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Okay. So I get, I get the funny story now, right? Okay. Because uh, what was it last summer? Not this summer that just passed, but the summer before, and we were uh, wiring a couple of new. We, we did four labs that summer. Right, and so we were uh, wiring junkies that summer, and uh, we we ran all this wire and we're all you know crimping wire and doing everything and uh we we test each cable before we run them just to make sure that everything is working properly and mark's cables kept coming up they weren't working and, and not like constantly but certainly much more than uh, me or the other guy that was helping us and 
and it was funny because Mark's got these huge meat hooks of hands, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, Mark, you're a huge guy, you know, and uh, so it seemed funny that he was the guy that wasn't quite crimping down hard enough. Yeah, me. and it, we looked at it, it wasn't a wiring error, and we kept looking at it, but it looks fine, it's not, it's not a wiring error, there's nothing there, and then Sean just eventually went around and recrimped every one I had done, and they all worked just fine, so <laughs> right. I, apparently I have little girl hands. Uh, <laughs> yeah, big, giant little girl hands. <laughs> now, there are special cases when you, you're going to want to use the 568A um, instead of the B, and that's when you're making a crossover cable. A crossover cable makes two like devices hooked to each other. For example, if you want to go from a switch to a switch, and if you're going to go from a computer to a switch, you don't need one. If you're going to go from a switch to a switch, you do need, do need one. If you're going to go from computer to computer, you need one. In that case, one end is the 568B, and the other end is 568A. Now, that shows what a dinosaur I am, because almost every switch made uh, in the last 10 years is what's called an uh, auto-MIDI crossover, which means whichever cable you plug in there, it's going to know, and whatever you plug it into, they're going to negotiate that. But some like the cheap stuff you might buy, at uh, Fry's Electronics or whatever, or Micro Center, may not have that auto capability. So if you're going to go from one hub to another hub or one switch to another switch, you'll need to make a crossover cable, in which case one is the 568B and the other one is 568A. So just throwing that out there, it's probably antiquated information you don't, you don't really need, but if you ever get your CompTIA certification like I have, you're going to need to know that. And I had to learn it, so so do you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, learning all of this stuff, it, it did have uh, a lot of that feel to it, right? It was like, uh, I had to learn this, so you have That's to right. learn it too. <laughs> I okay. had to run two a days. So, uh, <laughs> and the next thing is, uh, according to the specification, the entire run from end point to end point can be no more than 100 meters, which is roughly 309 feet. So if you've got a 500 foot run, you're going to have to drop a switch in the middle somewhere, uh, a repeater to, to repeat that signal. Now, that it's important to, to realize that that includes the patch cable from the wall to the computer and the patch cable from the wall to the switch or, or whatever else. It, it's the entire length of the run. So if you've got a 20-foot patch cable from the computer running across down the, around the baseboards to the wall, then your run can only be... Uh, 280 feet instead of 300 feet uh, because you need to ca count all that in. Now, also, that's sort of apocryphal information because most of our modern switches today, particularly the expensive managed ones, can take almost any highly degraded signal and, and handle it just fine. But if you start having trouble consistently with, with speeds or whatever, things that aren't right, and uh, one, of, one of the things Sean's already alluded to is, is contractors doing subpar work, We've we've discovered over time that some of our runs are way more than the the re recommended hundred meters, and so they you know we we'll, we know that those consistently have problems, and and so sometimes if possible you might need to to cut that off and and stick a hub in there somewhere to uh, boost that signal along the way. Yeah, and it's easy enough to do. Get up in the ceiling, cut cut all those wires, re-terminate both ends of what you just cut, and put a switch in the middle. Yeah. Now, what you'll often see, and again, this is just spouting uh, regulations that don't really matter, uh, is somebody uh, who will run um, like you know, a classroom lab. You'll you'll put a switch in in the corner of the room, 
and maybe you already had a drop when the building was built, and you'll have a cable running from the wall up to that switch, and then you'll run all your other cables to that to that switch, which is the way we do it lots of times. Technically, however, that is not correct. The, there always has to be a punch-down wall jack between the switch and the computer. That's just the way the spec is written, so I figure I'll tell you proper information while we're doing that. But I've also said <laughs> we don't ever do that. So we've got lots <laughs> right. of labs built the improper way, and they all work just fine. Well, that's, yeah, Taiwa Tech, man, make it happen, you know, as long as it works. Yeah, and uh, so that's that's just our quick primer on uh, networking, uh, just sort of a brain dump. Uh, Sean, can you think of anything else that we've overlooked? Not really. I just think that uh, anything that we've mentioned today, uh, as far as, you know, we didn't really talk about, hey, ABC, this is the mechanics of how you would wire a room, but uh, as long as you have those tools that we've talked about, uh, you can pretty much Google the rest. And I think, you know, any good tech is already going to know that anyways. But, you know, if you need to, if you need some sort of visualization of how do I use a fish tape to run a wire down through a wall, uh, Google it, you know. There's I, probably a YouTube video on it somewhere. Right. And maybe someday we'll go back and, you know, maybe when we're actually doing a lab, we can, uh, we can do some video or take some pictures of how we actually do it and get that stuff posted. Uh, that would be pretty cool to do. But yeah, uh, we I think do, we'd, we've got a lab coming up. If we can uh, be organized enough to do that, that would be a good thing to do. Yeah. And if not, you know, I'm sure even if we did it, we'd be duplicating something that's already out there anyway. <laughs> so, right. you know, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, uh, uh, just, yeah, Google these things. I mean, as long as you have those tools, if you get run down and get all those tools that we just said right there, uh, and that and a little bit of Googling, and you will be able to wire your first lab, no problem. Yeah, and um, I will say that if you don't do things in the proper order that we talked about, the, the wiring order and everything, it will still work just fine, um, but not optimal. Like, for you won't get gigabit out of it if you don't do it right but as long as both ends are the same it'll actually still work just fine uh but why not go ahead and learn the proper way to do it again you know find, print out a, a picture off the internet uh or look at a, a cable that you've got somewhere laying around and do it that way and learn the right way to do it uh but what my point is the it's a very robust system this whole ethernet thing and it's it's really hard to mess it up but you have to do it exactly right for it to be optimal. So you want to shoot for optimal. So you want to cross all your I's and dot all your T's and get everything just right. <laughs> did you just say that? <laughs> yes, I did. Just making sure I was paying yeah. attention, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, because uh, there can be a big difference in drop-off. Like if you've got a, giga, a gigabit connection, you may never get over you know 600 megahertz uh, megabits out of it if you don't do it right. Now, that probably is plenty. But still, you might as well do it right. Uh, so that's why it's good to brush up on all these specs and the proper way of doing things. However, I will say that it, once you put all that stuff together, it all seems flimsy. It's just a little piece of plastic and whatever. But I've seen this demonstration, and I've, I've actually tested it myself. If you take a properly made patch cable and plug it into a properly terminated and properly mounted wall switch and give it a yank, the drywall on the wall will break before any of the cables or any of the connections will give way. Yes. So yes, it's, that, it's really durable if it's done right. They, they, things are highly engineered. 
You know, uh, I, I want to say one because uh, I just have to throw this out there because uh, I see it from time to time, and to me, it's lazy work. But uh, the the uh, Cat Five E, the you know, just basically the cable that you run uh, when you when you expose those wires and you actually get them into the the RJ forty five the connector, um, push that. Uh, that outer layer, you know what I'm talking about, Mark? The sleeve, the like, plastic sleeve. Right. Yeah, the plastic sleeve. Push that back up into that end. Um, it, it's a much more professional looking and stronger uh, termination. I see people that they put the, they leave the such a length of the wires exposed that when you crimp it off, it's still wire coming out of the out of the head before that sleeve. Uh, it just looks horrible, and it's it's not as uh, it's not as strong either. Right, and it's not as effective. Though that cap was much more likely to come off. It's designed right. to crimp down over that whole sleeve. So yeah, that's a right. good point. Just don't cut your wires too long. Is is the way to do that. Right. But if you cut them too short, you won't push them all the way up into the connector, yeah. and you won't make any connection at all. That 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 is that's the that's the thing that really uh, is the touch thing. After you've made enough of them, you really get a good feel for just how much of that wire you need to expose. So, so all I right, we've inspired you to get out there and and do it yourself. Um, this thing that is expensive to hire somebody to do um, is actually pretty easy because you know what they're doing is they're taking high school graduates are under, you know, or, or illegal aliens, and they're giving them 10 minutes of training and, and sending them out there and then charging you $125 a drop. Uh, yeah. Not to offend <laughs> that entire industry out there, but it's been my experience that those are the people who show up to do the work. Um, and so it, it just it's not skilled labor, labor. It really isn't. But they charge skilled labor prices for it. So you can get out there as just some guy who saw some pictures on the Internet and do just as good a work or even better as than the company that is going to want to charge you for it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, we will do our contact section here uh, shortly, but uh, jump onto our forums. I mean, if you're doing it and uh, you have some questions, jump onto our forums and uh, ask the questions or, you know, shoot us an email or voicemail or something. Uh, we'd be glad to answer any questions if you, if you are kind of doing it and, and, you know, not sure what you need to do or, uh, you know, have some sort of unique situation. I'm sure uh, that we have probably already dealt with. So uh, we're glad to help out. All right. And before we get to that part, though, I will get to our tips of the week and we'll start out with our tech tip. Uh, and this one is a browser plugin, uh, cross-platform, cross-browser from uh, Firefox, Chrome, IE, Safari. It's called Lazarus. Have you ever been fill, filling out a long form, like maybe a, um, a an application of some sort, job application maybe, and just before you click send, you accidentally hit the backspace key on your on your keyboard <laughs> and go back, or you or you hit reload or something like that, and it's all gone, and you have one of those oh shoot moments. Shoot. Um, yeah. Lazarus <laughs> is designed to fix that. Now, for you tinfoil hat types, you're not going to want this because it saves everything you put in a browser. Therefore, Big Brother is watching you. Therefore, the government can track you and put secret government chemicals in your in your chicken. Uh, so this this isn't for you. Uh, but for everybody else who likes convenience, uh, this is a great plug-in. Every, anytime you go to a web form, it kicks in. And it saves everything you type as you type it. Like every time you leave a field, it stores that field. So if that happens, you just click on the brow, uh, the Lazarus uh, button, and you say, bring all that stuff back, and it does, and then you submit the form. 
and it's encrypted. Um, it it all happens in the JavaScript in the browser. It doesn't go to any server anywhere. It's it's AES uh, two fifty six encryption for you uh, privacy nuts out there. But still, um, some of you aren't going to be happy because it's something spying on you. So yeah, bandana guy, it's not for you. For everybody else, it's a handy little tool. <laughs> pretty cool. I use uh, uh, LastPass is great uh, when it comes to that. It has uh, where you can set up different profiles. And uh, uh, so you can have like a personal profile and a work profile and it'll realize when you have been presented a form and then you have the opportunity for LastPass to autofill that stuff in. Uh, but, uh, you know, that only works as well as it's kind of a different thing because yours, uh, Lazarus, kind of recovers that for you, right? Right, and it does uh, it on every form, every time. LastPass, you have to tell it. You know, it asks if you want to save it, and if it's common information, right. you can tell it. But this is every form, doesn't matter. You know, if you're yeah. filling out a work order, you know, and, and it's a, a long t- uh, long ticket, you know, that's not something you're going to want to remember every time, so you don't want LastPass to do it, but Lazarus will just do it automatically. Very nice. All right. Uh, I'm going to jump in with the teacher tip of the week, and that is kidinfo.com. So just like it sounds, K-I-D-I-N-F-O.com. And kidinfo.com is a website. It's for uh, students, teachers, and parents. And it's really just uh, kind of a a congregation of links uh, to other things out there on the web. But it's really the best one that I've seen. Uh, It's the website itself is the design is very uh 1990s i guess <laughs> uh so don't let the design of the site fool you uh there's uh, so many great reference points there and you can just go through and you can find things either for students uh, uh you know as far as uh help with homework uh, just reference resources and, uh, and even just fun educational sites, uh, for parents, there's resources as far as, uh, just parenting tips and, and help with picking out colleges and universities and, uh, you know, just all kinds of things that revolve around being a parent of a, of a, of a student. And then for teachers, there's uh, educational web resources, there's tutorials, lesson plans, and uh, so all kinds of links to great educational stuff like that. So uh, check it out. Uh, uh, you can literally, from this one site, spend hours uh, just perusing the web, uh, just depending on who you are, a student, teacher, or parent. So kidinfo.com. All right, and I just have to take a moment to apologize to anybody who might have tried to listen to this on the stream. I just realized that at some point I knocked the plug out going to the input. <laughs> so you've only been hearing the ambient mic from my laptop and not have, haven't heard a word Sean has said. So if you wondered why there was this guy talking to himself, that's why. Sorry about that. All right. Well, you know. <laughs> so you're just going to have to download it and listen to it uh, when we release it on Thursday. Yeah, those those are the dangers of uh, live live broadcasting, right? <laughs> I looked down and thought, why is that cable laying there? Oh man! <laughs> All, right. All right, well, uh, another great said, show. Do I wait? We're not there yet. You can't. Wait, say, well, I was going to lead you in. I was going to lead you, you in. I was trying. You to can't invoke the great show yet. You can't do it. We still have a chance to mess it up. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Which, by the way, somebody commented, uh, uh, Seth Anderson on our Everyday Linux uh, podcast commented that we did a show recently where you didn't say great show, and he felt that it was uh, that it was a disturbance in the force, that things had not gone properly. That was our unfinished masterpiece. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I actually remember that. That was, uh, I want to say, two or three shows back. And uh, you just went right into the contact stuff and and then uh, wrapped it up. And I was like, "Uh, uh, uh, well, okay. (laughs) Because you've never interrupted me before. No, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm such a polite guy. So anyway, <laughs> if you want to find out more about uh, networking or about the lost shows that I forget to uh, broadcast on Ustream, uh, you can do that at elementop.com. That's www.elementop.com. Um, and uh, you can also find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash elementop or twitter.com slash elementop. Uh, so all those things there where you can find out more information, but also so that you can communicate back with us. If if you want to ask us questions, that's the way to do it. You can contact us there with a, an email link or a voicemail. You can call us um, and leave us a voicemail. Phone number there being 530-FRUGAL2. Or, again, there's a call widget right there on the homepage. And we need to hear from you. Particularly, I need to hear from you because I have run out of tech tips. Lazarus oh, was my yeah. last one. I need, <laughs> I need help. Uh, so if you've got any good tech tips out there, uh, let me know on Twitter or on Facebook or uh, or in a forum post or whatever. But somehow you got to let me know because I'm I'm running dry. So wait, wait, uh, I, I have one for for you, Mark. Okay. Next week, your tech tip can be go to the forum and check out all the list of tech tips. The yeah, incomplete will, list of tech tips. Will it be updated still. by then? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to promise that, okay. <laughs> but there's still a good, uh, what, 55 or so, I'm going to yeah. guess, somewhere around there. Okay. Now, with all that having been said, Sean, what do you think of this show? I think it was another great show. Okay. As long as it was a great show, then we've done our job. So, <laughs> I'll say, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs> <laughs>